0: Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello friends. Welcome back to the podcast this week. We are delving into the third episode of the habit series, and today we're going to talk all about deleting habits, eliminating those nasty habits that prevent us from getting to the places where we want to go. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this is way harder than creating new habits. It's like I can create a new water habit at the drop of a hat, but you know, ask me to stop drinking diet coke and it's like no way Jose it just seems so much harder and there's actually good science behind why this happens and we're going to get into that a little later in the episode but for now i really want to emphasize the importance of addressing the negative habits that you have that keep you stuck in a place that you don't want to be and if this is in regards to your weight loss this could be dependence on sugar or junk food. This could be a dependence on sugary drinks. This could be an ongoing need for emotional eating for whatever reason. This could be Friday night pizza habit every night. This could be Choosing to have a sedentary life rather than getting movement into your day. This could be prioritizing video games and movies in the evening instead of going to bed at a reasonable hour. This could be a million different things that affect your weight loss. And if you look at you know your life as a whole, there's probably some negative habits that maybe aren't directly related to your health or your weight but affect it in some way such as you know certain ways that you show up in your relationships that are habitual or you know certain habits that you have on the weekend that prevent you from, you know, doing the things that you actually really want to do throughout the rest of the week, all sorts of things. And I think what's important when it comes to deleting habits is looking at them like they are weeds, right? So we want to look through our life and find all of the weeds that are preventing our seeds from growing, right? So we we want to address all of these negative habits that we have before we get to work of creating new habits. Now, does this mean that we have to wait to start creating new habits? No, but I think that we do have to put a particular emphasis on looking for those areas that are really holding us back. And I like to call those areas kryptonite because they they feel like they have so much power over us. And it's like I made a joke about the Diet Coke earlier and you know, quite frankly, I'm off Diet Coke now. Coke Zero actually was, was my thing. And, you know, this this is somewhat of a pattern for me. I go up and down with the Coke Zero. Currently, I'm off. And it's it's just when I'm on the Coke Zero, it just feels like it has such a pull. And, you know, that's because I've got this neural pathway in my brain telling me that it's important. And so that's why I like to think about this as kryptonite. And, you know, the other reason why I think it's important to look at our negative habits is because, you know, we do all sorts of work to try to adopt the positive habits. But the moment we get stressed or busy or tired, we start to do all of the stupid things, right? We start to do all of those negative habits, no matter how hard we've worked to incorporate the new ones. So I think that we need to put at least as important an emphasis on deleting habits as we do installing new ones. Now, you know, we're going to create habits in the same way that we delete them. So we're going to use that same framework that we talked about in last week's episode, the who, what, why, and how framework. And again, when you're deleting or eliminating your kryptonite habits, you want to start with the who. It's so important that you connect with the your identity, that person that you want to be in the future that no longer relies on that negative habit. And so if you know we go back to that Coke Zero example, if you want to be a person who doesn't drink Coke Zero, you really have to lean in to that person. You have to imagine you know what is future Michelle like without the Coke Zero? How does she feel? How does she look? What else is she drinking? What is she eating? What are the other effects? Is she sleeping better without the Coke Zero? You know, really, really lean in to that vision of who you want to be without that kryptonite habit in your life. And then again, we wanna to go to the what. And, you know, this is really, again, looking at what is the one thing, like the biggest thing that you're doing that is having the most negative impact on your life? What is your kryptonite? And, you know, my Example currently is definitely TV before bed. This is a habit that affects literally every single aspect of my life. And as I talked about in last episode, emphasizing sleep is, you know, one of my keystone habits. If I'm not getting enough sleep, all of my other healthy habits go out the window and all of my negative ones rear their ugly head. And so sleep is important to me and the the opposite of that is tv before bed so if i'm watching tv close to bedtime i will inevitably get sucked into whatever is going on like i'm currently binge watching vampire diaries like don't get me started on why a 47 year old woman is obsessed with this show but i am and here i am <laughs> if i'm watching this show before bedtime i will always go to another episode and then another episode. And before long, I'm losing three hours of sleep. So this is really my kryptonite habit that I'm currently working on eliminating from my life. And so when you're identifying that kryptonite, we can use the same Venn diagram that we discussed in last week's episode, where you take three circles, draw them on a paper so that they're all overlapping, and you want to find, you know, the one thing or, you know, maybe two things that would be present in all three circles. And those three circles are one, you know, what really fires you up, like what, like what really feels important to you. And for me, the TV before bed really does because I am so miserable in every way possible when I don't get the sleep that I need, including physically, I get migraines, like my digestion is off, like I'm miserable if I'm not getting my sleep. And so it's really important to me that I do that. And then the second. Circle is impact. And I talked a lot about that already how impactful my sleep. Is so, you know, sleep definitely fits that, and then the third circle is your commitment, and it needs to be something that you are 100% committed to doing and not just 99%, 100% committed. And because it's so impactful, and because I'm so passionate about getting sleep, I am 100% committed to working on this TV before bed habit that I find myself currently stuck in. All right, so that's the what. And then, of of course, you want to look at the why. And I think the Venn diagram pretty much, you know, sums that up. But it's important that you write your why down and really connect to it. Because, you know, when when motivation is low and it often is, these are the things that you're going to want to draw on to give you the gumption (laughs) to keep going. Right. And, you know, my God, the pull to watch TV in the evening is so strong because, you know, I work hard all day. I'm oftentimes working in the evening. And if not, Rob and I have things on the go and it just, I feels like it's go, go, go all day. And all I really want to do is just slow down and check out for a little bit at the end of the night. And so I have to actually work through all of those feelings to avoid watching TV before bed. Right. And so if I am feeling tired and grumpy, it's really hard to do that. And so connecting to that why power in particular, you know, doing the the power of 10s that we talked about last week in terms of how will sleep affect me and how will staying up to watch TV affect me 10 minutes from now, 10 hours from now, 10 days from now, 10 weeks from now. And when I do that, that really helps me connect to that why and I'm able to go on and go to bed or read a book or, you know, color or listen to music or do something Else That relaxes me other than crash in front of the TV. All right, so we've covered the who the what and the why next we've got to move on to that how and it is essentially the same as creating new habits except we're going to do it in reverse. So just like we talked about in last week's episode, we're going to map it out and we're going to use the ABCs. And just to remind you, mapping it out means looking at your motivation, your ability and the prompt associated with a particular habit. And the ABCs are the anchor your behavior which is your your habit and then the celebration when you do it or in today's case when you don't do it and like i said we're just going to do all of these things in reverse except that instead of putting a trigger in place to create a new habit we're going to identify the triggers we already have and work hard to make them invisible because as BJ Fogg and James Clear will talk about in their habit books if there's no trigger there's no behavior this goes in both ways so if you're wanting to create a habit if you don't have a trigger to remind you to do it you ain't gonna do it. Same thing when we're trying to eliminate a habit. If we take away the trigger that makes us do it, then we're not going to engage in that particular behavior. All right. So just like when creating new habits, you also want to plan for motivation to be low, right? Because it's going to be easy to say no to the TV and no to the Coke Zero when you're feeling upbeat and positive and motivated and energetic. But on days where you just feel like a pile of crap, it's not gonna be so easy. So we wanna make it as easy as possible for you to avoid doing your negative habit even on the shitty days. And so what this involves is identifying what the prompt or the cue or the trigger is for your kryptonite habits. And you can really just think of prompts as being the invisible drivers of our lives. So I mentioned already that no behavior ever happens without a prompt. If we want to to disrupt the behavior, we're going to start by removing the prompt. And this unfortunately is not an easy task. And this is because when things become automatic or habitual in our lives, we don't necessarily see the prompts or the triggers or the cues anymore, right? Like this, this is just a movie that keeps playing on repeat over and over and over again. And we're no longer consciously aware of these details. And So it takes some time to really sit back and observe your life and observe what is happening around your kryptonite habit. And this will allow you to slowly start to figure out your triggers. One thing that's been helpful for me with Rob, because I've been having a hard time identifying what my trigger is to sit in front of the TV. So I've just asked Rob, you know, can you watch me a few nights? Can you just see if I say certain things or if I do certain things that, um, inevitably result in me sitting on the couch, just to see if I can start to identify um, what those triggers are. And, you know, the reason why it's important to put time into doing this crucial piece is because, as we talked about in the willpower uh, talk a couple weeks ago, it is just so much easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. Right. And this is when we were talking about using your willpower wisely to play offense with your willpower rather than defense. Right. So, you know, an example would be if you are um, you're wanting to spend less time on your phone in the evenings, for example, then you remove the trigger by putting your phone somewhere inaccessible. Right. So hide it in a drawer, lock it in a cabinet somewhere, just put it in a different room where you have to actually make an effort to go get the phone and look at it rather than have it in your pocket or at your side all of the time. Right. And then, you know, the example that we used in the willpower episode was just don't buy junk food when you're grocery shopping, right? Buy your willpower at the store and don't bring junk food into the house. So you've made that decision once, and then you don't have to use your willpower, right? To make, to make that decision to not eat junk food again and again. And again, the junk food isn't in the house. So you've removed the trigger. Now, does this mean that you can't get in the car and go to the store and buy the junk food? No, of course not. But it means that you're not going to be in this mindless habit of reaching for chips just because it's. 7 p.m. on Tuesday, and that's what you do because you don't have chips in the house anymore. You've removed the prompt. I hope that makes sense. All right. So, you know, this first big step is identifying your triggers and then making those prompts invisible. Now, unfortunately, oftentimes the trigger is actually a thought that you have, like, I have a hard day and I deserve a treat, right? It's harder to make thoughts invisible. As I asked Rob to watch my behavior over a few nights, what really kind of became clear is that is the exact sort of thing that is sending me to the couch. It's this self talk that's saying I've had a hard, long day. I deserve to spend a little bit of time with the um, the hot vampires and the Vampire Diaries. It's like I'm firmly in the Damon camp, in case you're wondering. And you know, all of this self talk is what sends me to the couch. And so it's hard to hide. Away the thoughts. The thoughts. It's hard to remove those thoughts, um, at least in the immediate term. I am doing lots of thought work, and you know, lots of work on myself to change the thoughts in terms of what I think I actually deserve in the evening. But in the meantime, the strategy is to just make it harder. So if you can't make the prompt prompt invisible, just make it harder in some way to do your kryptonite habit. So it's like if you're in the habit of stopping at Starbucks on the way home from work every day, then map out a different route home from work so that you don't pass the Starbucks, right? And you know, again, don't keep the foods that you usually turn to in the house, right? Just make it harder um, by buying your willpower at the store. Just try to buy your willpower ahead of time if you can. And so, you know, what I've actually been doing to help me with this is giving the remotes to Rob and telling him to hide them so you know Rob and I have an upstairs and a downstairs and like we tend to watch different things so when I want to watch TV I'm on the upstairs couch and when he wants to he's on the downstairs couch and yeah of course we have date nights when we do it together but you know most of the time this is this is how it plays out and so I've just asked him to take the remote so um, him and I actually have to have a conversation when I want to watch TV and this may sound like controlling behavior or you know describe it in some other negative way but I actually really love it because what it does it is it creates a, it just creates the pause right and if I ask for the remote and I say please I mean he will give it to me there's no discussion or debate but what it does is you know I have to go downstairs, ask Rob for the remote, right? And in doing that, I I have, I give myself the space to think about whether or not TV is something that I actually want to do. And this has been surprisingly effective. And I would say for the last, you know, maybe month or so, I'm watching TV maybe once, maybe twice at the most a week, and that is it. So this strategy has really been effective for me. So, yeah, you know, maybe you could identify the remote as the trigger, but it's not the remote that's actually getting me to the couch, it's these thoughts that I deserve some downtime. So, while I'm working on those thoughts, Rob has taken away the remote and it's just making it harder for me to actually engage in that behavior. And so I think I think like I think that this is why it is so much harder eliminating the kryptonite than it is installing your keystone habits. Because so many times the trigger is really a thought and we can't see it. It's not clear. And until we can actually do the work on our thoughts, we need, you know, we need some external way to help us through. And this takes some creativity. And this is why I I always insist on sitting down and writing out your plan, right? Writing out the who, the why, the how, all of it, mapping it out, writing the ABCs so that you know exactly what your plan is for working on eliminating these kryptonite habits. And then, of course, you want to remember the most important part of the ABCs is to celebrate. So you want to celebrate every single time you succeed at not doing the thing. Your brain wants dopamine, so give it. Give it what it wants. And as I mentioned last week, my way of celebrating is a fist bump and saying, boomtown. And then saying, I am just like that. I am. I am the person who doesn't watch TV at night. And that's just how I celebrate. It takes me literally five seconds. I feel excited. I get that dopamine hit. And again, when you do that, when you're continually giving yourself a dopamine hit, when you're not engaging in your kryptonite habit, that's when you start to create a new neural pathway. And that is when you slowly start to move away from that kryptonite habit being so habitual and of course you know this is going to take time just like it takes time to create new habits and you know just so you know the science like when you hear you know 30 days to create a new habit or 21 days or whatever the heck it is none of that's true none of that's true it typically takes much longer than a month to create a new habit and it takes even longer to eliminate a current habit and so I think knowing that ahead of time, knowing that it's just going to take a little bit of time allows you to give yourself a little bit of space and compassion around that. And why I bring that up is because you are going to bloop, right? I mean, you're just going to You're going to flub up. You're going to watch TV. You're going to drink the Diet Coke. You're, you know, you're going to do whatever. And it's so important that you still stay in the game, right? Get rid of the shame. Stay in the game. Get right back at it the next day. And know that once you reach that point where it becomes habit to do the thing or you've eliminated the habit to do your kryptonite, it's going to be so worth it and last week we talked also about being the director of your own movie and i think this is such a great tool to help you with this so if you engage in your kryptonite habit pretend that you are watching the filming of the movie of your life and you are the director and you don't like that take of that scene. You just don't like it. So, you know, you say time out, cut, right? And you discuss with yourself, how am I going to do this better next time? What happened? Why did I engage in that behavior? How can I do it differently next time? And so look at it as a mistake instead of a mistake. And then when you go back for take two, the next time you're confronted with that habit, you're going to be able Able to not engage in that behavior just a little bit better all right so let's just put this whole map abc thing through an example let's say you just want to get in the uh, you want to stop the habit of scrolling on your phone before you go to bed So, you know, the phone is your prompt or your trigger and you can make it invisible by putting in a different room to charge when you go to bed. Like I actually do this and and I don't even put it in a different room. I put it on a different floor of my house. So I literally have to put an effort to go get my phone and I invested in a good old fashioned alarm clock so that I can, you know, use that for an alarm instead of my phone. So making that phone invisible. And you also want to make it as hard as possible for you to not scroll on your phone right so for you it also may not be enough to just put it in your nightstand drawer right you can do it like me like make it really hard put it in another room um lock it up in a cabinet somewhere like just do something that is more difficult than just reaching into a drawer beside your bed to get that phone out and then when you wake up in the morning and you realize you went to sleep without scrolling you celebrate the heck out of that give yourself that boom town. All right, one final thing that I want to talk about is just the importance of how chronic neural pathways are in our brain. So once your brain creates a neural pathway for a certain behavior, that pathway is always going to be there. It's just never going to go away. And this actually has a few implications when it comes to habits. So I'd like you to think about neural pathways as being pickles in your brain right? If you can imagine your brain as a bunch of cucumbers, and then when you create a new neural pathway, which means creating a habit, that part of your brain, that cucumber gets pickled. And once it's pickled, it can never go back to being a cucumber again. It's a pickle forever. So, you know, once checking social media before you go to bed, becomes a habit, or once, you know, reaching for donuts with coffee at 10 a.m. every workday becomes a habit, the part of your brain that codes for that behavior gets pickled. It gets pickled. And there is a danger zone attached to this because sometimes you'll be very effective at doing your new habit for, you know, a week or two or not doing your kryptonite habit for a week week or two and then you think you're fine, right? Like you think you've gotten rid of that kryptonite kryptonite habit for good. And so then you tell yourself, well, you know what? I can just pick up my phone this one time to scroll before bed. And as soon as you do that, like that pickle in your brain just picks right up And you literally have to start all over again trying to eliminate that habit, right? And so you really want to watch when you start telling yourself, you know what, I think I'm okay. Like, I think just this once I can engage in my kryptonite behavior and it's going to be okay. It often isn't because those pickles are already there. And so it's helpful for you to just open your jar of pickles, become aware of what your pickles are, know that we all have pickles, right? And that they're just always going to be there. And what that means is that, you know, if, you know, if I want to give out, give up Coke zero, I can do it. But there's just always going to be a little part of me that remembers the Coke zero, right? When When I'm faced with a trigger that would typically make me drink Coke zero, there might be a little urge to go to it it's always going to be there right so i think it's important to understand that and what we're really wanting to do when we're eliminating the kryptonite habit is to create pearl habits instead. So BJ Fogg refers to these as pearl habits, because what you're going to do is swap the old behavior out for a new one, right? So we're just going to get some power from the negative. And he calls it a pearl habit because something beautiful comes from an irritant, right? Like that's how pearls are formed, that there's little pieces of sand or grit inside the shell that the, the creature creates this coating around and around and around it to protect itself. And from that process comes this beautiful pearl. And so that's what we want to do. We, when, when we're faced with eliminating the kryptonite, we have to replace it with something just a little bit more beautiful. And so how this might look, well, You know, for me, when I gave up my phone before bed long ago, I replaced it with reading. So I just read a book for 10 minutes before I go to bed, right? That is my pearl habit. And when I get the urge for um, Diet Coke, I like to have um, sparkly water with frozen cranberries and a slice of lemon in it that's just my my favorite thing so that is my pearl habit having the the fizzy water right so I'm working on creating a new pearl habit for before I go to bed like this might turn out to be some crafting or some journaling or some reading I'm not quite sure yet but I will create a pearl habit to replace that um, evening tv watching and Okay, one, one final thing to bring up here. I think I've said that twice already in this episode, but I think this one's important and. I just want to remind you again that success in eliminating your kryptonite habit really depends on 100% committed, right? Because if you're only 99% committed, that little 1% provide, provides an opening for that little whiny voice to come in and give you all sorts of excuses and negotiate with you, right? It's that voice that tells me, you know, it's okay. You had a long day. You deserve a rest. You should go hang out with Stefan and Damon on the vampire diet. Diaries, right? When you let that voice in, you undo all the great work you've done and you really just end up pickling those neural pathways in your brain further. And that's what we really want to want to avoid. And when you're hundred percent committed, that does not mean you're going to be a hundred percent successful, right? You're still going to have days where you engage in that kryptonite behavior right it's i mean you're human it is going to happen but when you're a hundred percent committed you just get right back on the horse back to not doing your kryptonite habit the very next game remember no shame just get back in the game and most likely because you're human you're going to have lots of oopses before you even figure the hundred percent commitment out and that is totally okay too All right. So there we have it. All my thoughts on deleting your kryptonite habit. Hope this was helpful and we will reconvene again next week for the last episode of this series. We're going to talk about how to believe in yourself to actually get this habits work done. All right. We'll see you then.